Hello, friends, and welcome to More Than Gold, a podcast that rejoices in three very important truths. You are precious. You are a value. You are worth more than gold. I'm Sonia DeClerc, and I'm your host for the show. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for joining in. I have with me today Kristen Edmiston, formerly a registered nurse and healthcare executive. Kristen is all about engaging people's heads and hearts. Her professional career has taken her from the front line to the boardroom and now into a thrilling roller coaster ride as a multiple business owner and entrepreneur. Kristen is the owner of K. Edmiston and Associates Incorporated, a consulting firm in Edmonton that works with clients in both the public and private sectors. Her latest dream come true was the publication of her first book called The One Book. It is the all-in-one solution to the overwhelm. It is a tool, a method, and a system that will help you discover the power of simplification to stay organized, build a stronger mindset, sharpen your focus, and help you to tap into your creative genius superpower. Kristen is also the jewelry designer and owner of Kemba Designs Incorporated and is the co-founder of A Circle of Angels, a pay-it-forward project that she and her sister launched in 2015. Through the sales of their handmade crystal angel charms, they have donated thousands of dollars to various charities in Canada and also spread love, hope, and kindness through random acts of kindness in the community. Throughout all of her personal and professional pursuits, Kristen is passionate about helping others follow their joy and recognizing the value of the journey, not just the destination. Kristen, I am so excited to have you here with me today. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you. It is such an honor to just sit down with you and spill out my heart in a in a beautiful conversation that I know you and I can relate on so many levels. Absolutely. I have been looking forward to this from the moment I first asked you to be on the show um, because there's just a special connection. And uh, we we kind of connect spirit to spirit, mm-hmm. heart to heart. Yes. And that's when the best conversations occur. I agree. And it's um, if anyone has had that experience where they look across the room and they just know this total stranger is someone that they are destined to meet and there is great purpose to it. It's a feeling and it's undeniable. And I so felt that with you the very first time we met. Absolutely. And the universe has continued to conspire to just bring us back together <laughs> again and again. And it's meant to be. I think so. Yeah. I, You know what? It's more than I think. I know so. I know so too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love to give you the platform now to to share your story as you feel comfortable. Thank you. It's, um, you know, we all have such robust, interesting, rich stories. Mm-hmm. And as you know, the tales weave together and overlap. And there's beautiful lessons, even in the sorrow and the grief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I talk about my story, it seems like it's anchored in those darker places and the journey into the light. I love that. That was well said. It it just, 
as I'm able to step back and have some perspective after yeah. going through some difficult times, as most people can relate because mm-hmm. everybody goes through mm-hmm. difficult times, you know, that's when you really do appreciate even the hardest days and who it's made me be today mm-hmm. and the trajectory that I'm on for where I'm going in this world. Absolutely. So I don't know. I think maybe it's a message around grief that I have today. Okay. But I think it's also a message around gratitude. I love it. And, you know, maybe gratitude is the healing path from grief. That is profound. Yeah. And if you walked it, you'll know it. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a really familiar story for a lot of people, I think. Mm-hmm. And my hope is always, anytime I tell the story of what I've gone through, is that people will see themselves in it, mm-hmm. either in the moment or in the past or in the future when it's their turn to go through a difficult time or grief. Yeah. They'll remember these words and yeah. know that there is light on the other side. What a beautiful promise. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, gosh, you know, my background is is really good for context okay. in my story because long before I, I became an entrepreneur and pursued this current path as being a, a book author and mm-hmm. everything else, I was a registered nurse mm-hmm. and that was my first love. It was just the best job and some days the worst job imaginable, but it taught me so much about just being a human right. and what it meant to be a good human with empathy and compassion and love. And it shaped me into who I was. And I know now in hindsight that it was leading me up to that time in my life when my mom was going to need not just her daughter, but her daughter is a nurse at her side. Right. And I lost her almost 15 years ago now. Okay. She passed away very suddenly at the age oh. of 59. Yeah. And um, that's, a, that's a special kind of grief when there's no warning yeah. and it's there one minute, your loved one is there one minute and gone the next. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you, you don't get to say the things that you want to say and you don't get to ask those questions that mm-hmm. maybe you wanted to ask. And you're left with a lot of wondering. Mm-hmm. And so I think the grief and the void is a little bit different when you have a loss like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm grateful that I was able to be there as a daughter and as an advocate mm-hmm. for her healthcare journey too. And then fast forward several years later, my dad was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. Okay. And um, there was no warning. He was super active and volunteering 30 mm-hmm. hours a week and walking four miles a day. Oh. And, you know, his biggest complaint was that he was lonely. Okay. Um, nature lover. Yeah. Um, he called himself a, a recreational enthusiast. Like it was just yeah. retirement was yeah. all about getting into the streams and fly fishing and oh. hiking in the mountains. And he was just making the most of life. Mm-hmm. And um, on a pleasure trip to England to visit some friends, he ended up having a seizure just unexpectedly. Oh, okay. And of course, we got that dreaded phone call. Yeah. Uh, this one being from overseas. And um, speaking with the physician at the hospital in the UK, they were somewhat sketchy in what they were telling me. Right? Okay. You know, it's a long distance phone yeah. call and personal information. And I remember saying to the doctor on the phone, I'm. I'm his daughter, but I'm also like a former registered nurse. Please Mm -hmm. just tell me the truth. Mm -hmm. Please. I have to know what's going on. What are the scans showing? And she very quietly said, it's a grade four glioblastoma. And the weight of it started to just come down on my head, over my face, onto my shoulders, through my body. 
And I don't know if it was cold or hot or it was just an overwhelming emotion because I knew that these are incurable. Mm -hmm. There is a 100% mortality rate. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a question of how many months, not years. Right. And, um, you know, my dad was such an intellectual to think that, you know, he could lose motor skills, cognitive skills, both. We didn't know. Right. And I couldn't be with him. He was in England and we were here. Mm -hmm. And my sister and I, my sister is like truly my person. Um, We knew that we were going to just be lockstep throughout the journey and be there for my dad. And our other siblings, they were too as well. Um, But Bev and I, incredibly close. And we walked that journey with him. But Mm -hmm. um, dad was stable enough to come home. And what a blessing. What a blessing. We didn't have to like go overseas to get him. He was able to get on a plane and and kind of land in our arms when he arrived. Mm -hmm. And we just went through the steps, you know, Mm -hmm. and in those moments, you just put one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. And um, we weren't really clear if the doctors had fully explained the diagnosis and what it meant over in England. To him. To him. Right. So I was carrying this knowledge. Yeah. And our family was carrying this knowledge, but we didn't really know how much he understood. Mm-hmm. And he was acting already with so much hope and optimism. Right. We didn't want to be the ones to say, Dad, do you really understand the meaning of this? Right. And, and so in in the first few days getting him into the doctors, it was a bit of just tension mm-hmm. and mixed emotions. Mm-hmm. He didn't know if you were coming or going. And... Um, Soon enough, we had him in for a biopsy, mm-hmm. and the diagnosis was confirmed. And, uh, you know, having that nursing background was such a blessing in so many ways, but mm-hmm. also a curse. Mm-hmm. Because the healthcare team knew, it was all over the chart, all knew that I was a nurse yeah. and the advocate. Yeah. And the doctor gave me the news, and I was the one that had to break it to my dad that it was confirmed. Right. That it was a grade 4 glioblastoma. And they suspected with treatment he'd have up to a year. Okay. And without treatment, just a few months. Okay. And so here I was. Am I a nurse? Am I a daughter? Am I both? What do I do here? And um, I just tried to play the fence. I tried to do a bit of both Mm -hmm. and answer the questions as a nurse would, but also give the hugs and hold the hand as a daughter would. Mm -hmm. And, And that's when the journey began. And we would see some ups and some downs with his condition and he luckily started first losing his motor skills so his walk and we could see his gait change and then his right side his arm so he was less able to write but he was like just full of his normal wit and humor and and sassiness (laughs) the whole way through and um you know it's the thing it's a different kind of grief when you know that it's a terminal illness yeah because the grieving process starts sooner right and nobody really tells you that no and so you're going through the motions and you're doing everything you can to keep everyone else's spirits up mm-hmm. without even fully recognizing that you're grieving mm-hmm. already and again walking that line of nurse daughter mm-hmm. sister mom mm-hmm. my dad and my son were incredibly close Right. Incredibly close. Yeah. And so, you know, watching my son lose his grandfather, mm-hmm. watching my sister lose her dad, mm-hmm. watching my husband lose his father-in-law, who mm-hmm. he, endo- you know, he adored. And lastly came me losing my dad. Right. And, um, you know, that walk through the grief, I didn't truly appreciate it until after he'd passed. 
And because you're in the moment, you're, in you're the moment. living in it. There's not time to stop no. and and acknowledge and feel not at all the gravity of it. And I, I know you, and you are a lover and a doer and a helper. And so that really complicates things when you are in the position where you're you're suffering yeah. yourself because you first reach out and are aware of those around you. So I can only imagine when it all finally hit you what that was like did it catch up with you it did yeah it really did and um I found there was a moment I'll never forget it he he went through radiation he went Mm -hmm. through chemo he was such a trooper and the most profound difference I witnessed in my father was his outlook on life okay so prior to getting sick he was well known as being a little cranky (laughs) <laughs> a little negative and we tease him about it relentlessly mm-hmm. and of course you know my little family we're we're a ball of sunshine you get dunked in that kool-aid and it's just pure <laughs> optimism so um when he started to get sick and he could really start wrestling with his own mortality mm-hmm. we saw the change like a light switch okay and he switched to profound gratitude wow and witnessing that was just something else yeah um, but the lesson in it for me as well mm-hmm. is something I have carried on with me for sure okay. and will forever after. Yeah. And that was my healing path. Okay. So little did he know or little did I know that while I was going through this, this grief phase, mm-hmm. I mean, he was also teaching me how I was going to cope and heal after he was gone. That's beautiful. I, I just had shivers just <laughs> envelop my body. That is so powerful what a beautiful blessing to leave you with it really was yeah again you don't know as know it until hindsight hits right? you right yeah. but you know and what I mean by profound gratitude what does mm-hmm. that look like mm-hmm. well um in his final mm, three months or so two mm-hmm. months he was in hospice he's just his care needs were greater than what could be provided at assisted living or at home mm-hmm. And um, it was in December, bitterly cold, and it was one of those snowy days where, like, minus 35, and the air almost hurts your face, but the mm-hmm. sun is beautiful, mm-hmm. and the sky is blue. It's one of those days. And so, you know, picture this. If you've not seen a hospice room, it's much like a hospital room, but a little cozier. Okay. So you get a bed, a single bed. You get uh, a nightstand or two if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. You have a small wardrobe closet that would fit maybe five or six hangers. Mm-hmm. And you have a small shelf on the wall and a TV, a bathroom, and a small window. Mm-hmm. And um, when you think about all the possessions you accumulate in your life, mm-hmm. and think about that. Like how much effort do we put into acquiring possessions mm-hmm. throughout our life? At the end, all you have is a shelf. Mm. and a nightstand, Mm -hmm. and a wardrobe. Mm -hmm. What do you take with you? Your most treasured possessions and the ones that hold memories. So the gifts that my mom had given him, or the cards and letters and little trinkets that his friends in the UK had sent over, Okay. and photographs. Yes. Right? Beautiful photograph of my sister when she was probably four or five years old walking in the leaves, framed in a gorgeous gold frame. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, just treasured memories, and you know that they're his favorites because that's all he can take with him. Mm -hmm. And this is what's surrounding him in his final days. And he wants to talk. 
he's got lots to say, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had just traipsed in from a cold, cold walk in. And he's looking out the window and he says, Chris, look at the snow. And I look out the window and I'm like, yeah, it's cold, Dad. Like, oh, look mm-hmm. at the snow. <laughs> and he says, no, look at it. Look at the snowflakes. And on the window, you could see just these beautiful crystal snowflakes with the backdrop of the blue sky in the window. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he said, isn't that a miracle? That in this moment, the sun is shining just so to capture the glitter on the snowflakes that just happened to land on my window. And I thought enough to look outside. Wow. And that's what I mean by yeah. profound gratitude. Profound gratitude. Oh, wow. And so that was definitely a moment where I was like, whoa, yeah. like this is this is the meaning of life stuff. Exactly. <laughs> that, that question, you yeah. know, what is the purpose of life? Yeah. It's in the snowflakes. It's actually even smaller than that. It's in the glitter mm-hmm. on the snowflakes. Mm-hmm. And um, that changed me. That moment changed me mm-hmm. for sure. And then the second moment that changed me um, was probably the most difficult moment of my life okay and that was when we got to the point in hospice care where we decided that we were withdrawing care okay so it just goes to comfort measures at this point and that means stopping those medications that are preventing seizures Mm -hmm. that are preventing swelling from the tumor Mm -hmm. and really we're just letting nature take its course Mm -hmm. but the side effect to that is that well you're not going to be able to eat Mm. and you're going to need fluids put into you and then at some point we stopped doing that too Mm -hmm. to just let you gracefully pass on Mm -hmm. and it was um in the evening it was already dark outside maybe 4 35 o'clock and my sister and I were in the room with my dad and speaking to the doctor and it was in that moment that we made that decision with dad that he wanted to withdraw all forms of, of care okay just comfort measures yeah and um at that moment that's when I broke and the tears released and everything that I had been trying to hold back mm-hmm. to be strong, mm-hmm. the floodgates just mm-hmm. shattered. And we were all crying, mm-hmm. of course, and hugging and everything else. And then dad, as I'm reaching over the, the railing of the bed to give him a hug, he says to me, Chris, I didn't know that you cared that much. And I realized in that moment that in my attempt to be strong for him, I didn't let him know how loved he was. Okay. Yeah. And I had put too much emphasis on the nurse. Yeah. And not enough on the daughter. So not only was I robbing myself of that, I was robbing him of that. Now, thank goodness he said something. Because now I had to correct. I had to tell him all of the sleepless nights and how many times I'd cried myself to sleep, but I didn't want him to know. Right. And all the things I was going to miss about him, but I didn't want to talk about because I didn't want to upset him. Mm -hmm. And so I had that opportunity, thank goodness, Mm -hmm. to show him just Mm -hmm. how much I cared. Yeah. What a gift. And so nature took its course. Yeah. And we, um, we ended up doing a little thank you gift to the people in his end of his journey we made these little tiny crystal angel charms and sent them overseas as a thank you on his behalf with a handwritten card and gave them to his doctors and his nurses and um totally unexpectedly it took off and went pseudo viral and Mm -hmm. people found out about these angels and 
they wanted angels too because yeah. they knew someone that was going through a hard yeah. time and they knew the symbolism of this little one inch tall angel was mm-hmm. profound. Mm-hmm. And so dad saw that that was making an impact. Yeah. And he made us promise that we would keep it going after he passed away. Oh, that is so beautiful. And the lesson here, again, in his wisdom, he said to me, if it helps one person, you yeah. must. I love that. That resonates so deeply with me. That is my life motto. If it will help one person, yes, I'll do whatever it takes. That's right. Yeah. One is enough. Yeah. The power of one. The power. Coming full circle. The power of some, one. Yes. Okay. That is beautiful in every way. <laughs> so we'll 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 describe that full uh-huh. circle in a minute. Yeah. But you already know where we're going. I, I do, but we need to fill in our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh-huh. And so that definitely just stuck with me. Yeah. And so we did after he passed. He passed uh, in January, mid January, and um, in the moments. Leading up to his final breaths, we were together as our our family unit, mm-hmm. and it was it was a beautiful death. Mm-hmm. That may seem like an oxymoron, but it truly was a beautiful death mm-hmm. because we all knew that we had said what we needed to. Yeah, he got to say what he needed to. Yeah, and we were together. That is so so comforting to hear, and I would imagine for anyone listening who is going through something like this or knows somebody going through something like this or perhaps in the future might unexpectedly experience something like this. Your words, your experience, your story um, definitely is a source of comfort, hope, and light. So thank you on so many levels for sharing that. Oh, that's my greatest hope. Mm -hmm. I, I know what those dark days are like. Right. But... Because of those dark days, you can appreciate those beautiful sunny days. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. There's a there's a poem about that. It's an unknown author, so it's mm-hmm. hard to quote it. But okay. it's called Life Lessons. Okay. And it talks about that that yeah. we, we can't appreciate the the sunny days until we've walked through the rainy ones. So, right. Beautiful poem mm-hmm. um, that I actually read at my mom's memorial. Okay. But um, Dad passed very peacefully and. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I realized the weight of the grief that I had been hiding away and yeah. I now had to deal with. Yeah. And it wasn't only the the void of his presence, but it was the void of him needing me. That as, yeah. As the nurse. Exactly. As the daughter. Yeah. And a purpose that I had been so dedicated to mm-hmm. for 19 months was now gone. Mm-hmm. And I felt lost. Mm. And I knew that this was there was a certain sense of selfish relief. I mm-hmm. felt it was selfish, but it's not mm-hmm. that his suffering was over and my suffering of watching him suffer was over. But people who've gone through this will identify with that. Mm-hmm. There's guilt in that emotion. Mm-hmm. When you take that breath and you're like, okay, it's done. Yeah. And that guilt of feeling yeah. gratitude that it's done. Yeah. It's real, yeah. and it's nothing to feel shame about. No. So I hope that message really resonates for for anyone who needs it right now. Absolutely. There's no shame in that. No. Um, and we carried on with the Circle of Angels. Yeah. Um, we actually launched it as a full project and called it the Circle of Angels. Uh, we launched it in March of that year. Okay. And sorry, what was the year again? 
2015. 2015. So we are okay. seven years. Seven years. Seven years wow. in. And so, you know, it started off with us on a Facebook group, which yeah. we still have. You yeah. can find us on Facebook. And we would just sell these small crystal angel charms, and then we donate the proceeds to charity. Mm-hmm. And then it evolved into special projects, yeah. you know. And um, when um, police officer Constable Woodall was shot and killed in the line of duty here in Edmonton okay. later that year, that was our first big project. Yeah. And we were so touched by it and the outpouring in the community of people just wanting to do something. Mm-hmm. Even as just tie a blue ribbon around a tree. Yeah. Um, we decided that we were going to find a way to make 2,000 angels. Okay. So we could give every member of the Edmonton Police Service an angel in his memory. Oh. And we did. You know, between yeah. my sister and I, one yeah. phone call, one email, we had 50 volunteers. Oh. We had all the money yeah. to pay for the supplies. Yeah. And boom, it was done. Yeah. And we had projects years after that. The Humboldt Broncos tragedy, we did a fundraiser for that. And mm-hmm. the wildfires in Fort McMurray, mm-hmm. we did that too. And there have been lots of little ones along the way. But as we've been going, we've not only been helping one person at a time, but we're bringing one person in at a time. Can you repeat that? Because that was beautiful. So we're not only helping mm-hmm. one person at a time, we're bringing in a person one at a time. I love that. Um, one thing I, I find myself talking to with others is, is about our circles. And um, not all of us are blessed to have a really tight, unconditional, loving circle. Um, and so when you invite others into your circle, that, that is so beautiful. And I love, 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 love that you are doing that. Because we're all searching for belonging. Absolutely. We're all searching for purpose and meaning. And so a simple, simple act, like your beautiful crystal angels, is symbolic of something far greater. And it's, it's, it comes full circle. It does, right? <laughs> Again, with the circles. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we see with people. Yeah. And so we call it our, our circle of angels is the community of people that have received an angel, given an angel, mm-hmm. made angels with us. Yeah. And it grows every year. Yeah. And it's not about the money that we raise. It's not. It's about the community we're building. And, right. And the people one at a time in their one story, mm-hmm. in their one moment of grief. It's, that's what's so impactful. Mm-hmm. And we know dad would be proud Absolutely. We know he would be proud, but, you know, it's such a a healing process still. Mm -hmm. Grief doesn't stop. You're 100% right on that. Mm -hmm. It it changes. It changes. It does not stop. No. And sometimes there's a lot of pressure on us Mm -hmm. to find that end point of grief. Mm -hmm. It does not exist. Mm -hmm. And it is so cruel to expect our people to stop grieving because it's been six months, a right. year, 10 years, yeah. 25 years. Yeah. There is no ending. It just changes. It, and the reason there's no ending is because grief is present because love is present. Absolutely. So if you completely take away the grief, it's like you're completely removing the love. And I'm not saying that to um, cause a, a conflict in any way but it's just the reality that love and grief go hand in hand yeah um there is a point that you can get to where the love outweighs the grief and that's a beautiful point to get to uh 
But yeah, the expectation that the grief will have a final endpoint is is completely unrealistic. And if any of you listening are in a situation where you are grieving and just waiting for that day that it will end, take that pressure off of yourself and just be present in the moment and be present in the love that you have for that loved one. And that's enough. Yeah, beautifully said. It is enough. And when it changes, our heart is changing, mm-hmm. right? It's like our heart creates new pathways where we, we figure out how to process it differently. Yeah. Sometimes it's like a wave. It's going to come out and just take you down. Yeah. And it's unexpected. Yeah. But over time, all those other happy moments in our lives, they fill in some of the nooks and crannies. Mm-hmm. And the void fills up. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say there isn't hope. Yeah. It's just to say, release yourself of that pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so truly to this day, every single time I make an angel, I feel my dad beside me. Mm-hmm. And it's part of my healing. Mm-hmm. And isn't that beautiful? That like ripples, yeah. that healing and that love and that light, it just manifests. Mm-hmm. And it manifested from one of the most difficult times in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's reaching people in some of the most difficult times in their lives. Absolutely. And that is love. Yes. That is love. And, you know, if I hadn't had that lesson about the snowflake, mm. I don't know if I would have seen this. That's interesting. Because mm-hmm. it's gratitude. It is. It's gratitude. Yeah. It's gratitude for someone else's grief in a way that I'm able to be present to be a support, mm-hmm. to share in that experience and understand. Mm-hmm. It's gratitude that we can connect as humans, even through grief. Especially through grief. Especially through grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us are almost um, programmed to think that we should avoid pain, suffering, and, and trial at, at every cost. Like, we're taught, no, that's bad. Stay mm-hmm. away from that. Um, but if we just change our perspective and we, we see it as, you know, this this is an inevitable part yeah. of life. That's right. It's a necessary part of life mm-hmm. for us to grow. Um, when our perspective shifts, then our outlook shifts, and we start to see things in a new light, just like you saw the snowflake mm-hmm. in a new light. Such a simple, simple example. But it completely transformed your life. It really did. Because it represented a greater concept, which was gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that resonated with you. It really did. Yeah. And it's it's now a lens yes. that I see the yeah. world through. I love it. And um, it's... It's also pushed me to show up, not just feel the gratitude. You know, it's one thing to practice gratitude by reflecting on, you know, what are the three things you're grateful for today? And mm-hmm. that's a wonderful first start. Mm-hmm. But it's such a shame if we don't do something with that gratitude. Mm-hmm. Speak it. Yeah. Share it. Yeah. Pay it forward. I'm a it. big fan of paying it forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's what the angels have become. If you ever receive one of our crystal angels for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, Mm -hmm. it comes with a card to say that if you find someone that needs it more than you do, please pay it forward. And and that's just it. And it's being present in the moment, seeing what to be grateful for, Mm -hmm. and seeing that beauty and worthiness in Mm -hmm. others around Mm -hmm. you. 
And with this lens, I can say that my life is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Even the really hard, gross stuff. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And um, it's, been, it's just been such a powerful lesson that's carried me forward in, in business, in mm-hmm. friendships, in mm-hmm. relationships. And uh, circling back to that, the profound impact of one Right. right. If it helps one person. Yes. Uh, one step at a time. Uh, about two years ago, I got the wind in my sails to write a book out of nowhere. <laughs> and it, it wasn't about my story. It wasn't about um, really anything specifically business related, but I wanted it to be a tool mm-hmm. to help leaders and business owners and entrepreneurs cope with that sense of overwhelm. Which everyone experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really struck home in the middle of COVID when many of my small business clients were struggling. Right. And it was breaking my heart. And I had this epiphany that because we were all running on empty before the pandemic hit, Mm -hmm. the pandemic took us out 10 times harder than Mm -hmm. it should have. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, not again. Yeah. Let's find a system. Let's find a method, um, almost a theory. Mm-hmm. To run our lives and our businesses by so that we're organized, we're prepared, we're clear, we're focused, we're practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. And the next time something unexpected comes out of left field, we're more ready. More resilient. More resilient. Yeah. We're better prepared. Yeah. We're more capable. And uh, that's inspired the one book. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that theory, if it helps one person. Yeah. It had to be put into the name, the one book. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's my next chapter. It's, yeah. It's, it's a whole other stream. It's a whole other story to be told. It's yeah. unfolding day yeah. by day. But to see and trace back those roots to my story with my dad, mm-hmm. the hardest time in my life, mm-hmm. the greatest loss, um, it's pretty magical mm-hmm. to see how a beautiful death can lead to a beautiful life for the people left behind. Right. What a legacy. What a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story and the beautiful life lessons taught by your father. Um, so I'm going to close our episode with the question that I ask all of my guests. And that is, what advice would you give to somebody who is struggling to feel of worth and value? I love this question. And my first message to them would be, you are worthy. Mm. And it's a journey to Mm -hmm. discover it. But I would say try gratitude. Okay. Look for that gratitude in the little tiny things when the days are heavy. And you're feeling like you maybe don't have the value and you're not worthy of, of the love that you crave. You are, but you can find it through gratitude and gratitude for yourself. And maybe that's gratitude for the miracle that you can move your pinky finger Mm. or put one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. or blink your eyes. Sometimes it has to start so small like Mm -hmm. the snowflake before we get to the bigger picture of overall worthiness and value. But it's there. Mm -hmm. Keep looking. That is beautiful on every level. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today, Kristen. This has been very special. Thank it you. Has. 
If you like this episode and are interested in hearing more, subscribe to More Than Gold on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you are listening, and give us a five-star review. As always, a special thank you to Devon Music Studios for providing the perfect atmosphere for meaningful dialogue to be shared. 